0: Welcome to the Family Man Tactical Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. We're coming to you every week to discuss topics for family protectors. We're about creating community for tactical dads and moms, doing the work to become better protectors and providers, and being force multipliers for good. So come on in, sit back, relax, and let's have some fun. welcome back to the family man tactical podcast show um, very excited this week because I've been promising and promising for oh I don't know the last six months that we're gonna go ahead and have a guest on um, because no one wants to listen to Chris drone on for hours and hours um, and it proves that I'm capable of making a friend so um, <laughs> without further ado I um, We've got uh, Devin from Tactical Cowboy Training Solutions on. Um, And I just want to say a little piece here. You know, again, this brand has been, when I started this thing, it had very little to do with me, um, Chris, just more or less kind of the avenue, the buddy uh, to talk about these things, but really start to bring in some subject matter experts. And that's what's coming to fruition today. So that's why I'm super excited. Again, we're about building community doing the hard work as family protectors, and then going out and being force multipliers for those um, that that want to do the same thing. So um, this totally fits in there. And um, yeah, so Devin, introduce us, let us know a little bit about you. Um, What makes you tick? Uh, Where you been?
1: What you doing? Go for it. All right, brother. Yeah, so nice to meet everybody. My name is Devin, last name Soto. As um, Chris just mentioned, owner and operator of Tactical Cowboy Training Solutions, which is a training company that we have here in Utah County, Spanish Fork to be exact, and we focus on everything from basic firearm safety for children all the way to this past weekend we had a two like a full two day CQB course where we had regular civilians, ex military guys, and a couple of law enforcement guys attend. So. Yeah, we do it all and our focus is just to provide really awesome training and preparedness stuff for our local community here in Utah County and hopefully eventually we can branch out. We've branched out to Colorado a little bit and we're working on some stuff in Washington State and we're about to go do something in late July down in St. George, Utah. So we're slowly branching out and our focus is just to, like I said, bring super awesome fun training to everybody. But yeah, so you want to go what? To go for the full life story, <laughs> yeah,
0: man. I wanna, I want the audience to know about you, just for right. kind of a little bit of a background for the audience. So, I again, this is not my day job. This is a labor of love, something I'm passionate about. Um, and my training mentors kind of told me, you know, hey, continue the mission, right? Oh, yeah. um, so that's that's kind of what this is about. And so I I waded into this pool of like you know, having a brand and reaching out to other tactical trainers and all that kind of stuff very slowly. So Devin has been somebody that, you know, I've been vetting, he's been vetting me, we started talking and, and it's been a while we've been talking about this. same thing with uh, Steven over at adapter die and a few others. Um, so that's why, you know, again, I'm I'm excited. He's not just somebody I'm like, Oh, grab this guy, he'll come on the podcast. Like I've been excited about having you on, on this for a while. Um, One, because your content. So like if anybody knows, first of all, what's your, what's your handle on Instagram, Devin?
1: Yep. So for the Instagram for the business is at tacticalcowboy01. Can't forget it. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) So first of all, I'll have that down
0: in the show notes uh, for everybody, but I think it's, you know, important you go over and check out his content because he's told me a bit about his background, and he'll tell you here in a minute. But he's not one of those people that's like, oh, hey, here's my background. And this is why you should listen to me. I I got the vibe immediately. uh, Hey, this is the training. This is the doctrine. This is what we're doing in a very humble way, but confident. And oh, hey, by the way, here's my background. And seeing that is just, it's, I don't even know how to say it. It's, it's a little bit different than what you're used to seeing in the industry and the training and the, the instruction stands on its own and you got a heck of a background. So why don't you, why don't you tell us all about, all about it?
1: Heck yeah, my man. Yeah. I guess maybe the word you were looking for was refreshing. <laughs> yeah, that's, you got it. Yeah. So i um, getting a little, a ba- little bit of the background on the training stuff and then maybe we'll go into the whole life story later. Right on. But so yeah, my background in the tactical realm, I guess you could say, would be. So I got to serve uh, five years in the army, and all at Second Ranger Battalion, and uh, so that was a really, really good experience. I joined when I was nineteen, so I was fresh out of high school, brand new guy going straight through basic training, airborne and ranger selection. So that was a pretty, pretty good experience. And then when I was my time in the military, I got to do four deployments overseas to Afghanistan. And then along with that, through my five years in at uh, 275, a bunch of really cool training schools. So got a lot of really good experience there. After I got out there, I got my bachelor's degree in human physiology from the University of Colorado. And that really helped me understand, you know, the human stress response in regards to self-defense and how neurologically we actually start to understand how to shoot and how to perform high-level marksmanship, you know? So that's been a really nice help. And then ever since then, I've been doing, you know, tactical cowboy and then a lot of uh, private security type stuff. So I've gotten to go to a lot of really cool training opportunities and visit a lot of really cool places doing that for the last few years. And yeah, I've just been here in Utah, utilizing these experiences to help people. And like you just noted to Chris, one of our biggest things is we approach training with an open mind and we are very relaxed about everything. So for me and all the guys I employ to help me out, we refer to ourselves actually as mentors, not instructors. Mm-hmm. And that's because I feel like the term instructor is really like, I'm going to instruct you on in how to do this, and this is exactly how you're going to do it. Which I've obviously experienced a lot, especially in the military stuff, which is great, because clearly at 2nd Ranger Battalion, they're doing something right when they're teaching us how to do stuff. You know what I mean? But um, how we like to approach things is, you know, these these people that come to our classes are not required to be there like you would be if you were, say, in the military, law enforcement or something. So we like to present people with a bunch of different options. For example, a grip on a pistol we will present you with two or three different options, stuff I've used in the past and maybe something one of my fellow instructors is uh, using currently. And then we give you the tools for you to decide then, OK, this is what works for me and this is how I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and I I think that's like, not to kind of underline it too much. But again, to your point is, it's refreshing is, um, you know, Devin, the way you, you come across in your content, you know, um, I get the impression it's, it's genuine. And obviously, I I put my money where my mouth is. I referred um, a a good friend uh, that's, you know, for all intents and purposes, I, I consider family. Um, to go train with you later in the year. Um, and that's, you know, and it's because of, obviously you got you got a background. Um, you know what you're talking about. you can you can actually see that. but, um, you know, i've I've experienced the cookie cutter instructor that you're talking about. Um, you know, and 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 that has its place uh, like you mentioned. Um, but man, it sure is nice when you you come across and you' your point, a, a mentor, that's able to do some audience analysis um, and and make a recommendation for the student that's not only built on doctrine um, but tailored to what's going to fit them best in their civilian life. So that's, that's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Oh, hundred percent. And then if you just even dive dive into like the neurological literature about how people learn 99% of the time for a brand new learner, they learn really well in a fun, relaxed, enjoyable environment so they can actually absorb the information. Where more advanced people, you know, saying you've been, well, let's go back to the pistol shooting, maybe you're a really, really experienced pistol shooter. They actually respond really well to, of course, you know, the relaxed environments, but they can also respond really well to what in the, these books I've read is called like a chaotic environment where so they can you know, respond to more of the harsh criticism, more randomized stuff, more surprise scenarios in front of them. Where a new shooter, I've realized they're gonna really do better with a relaxed environment, no stress, we're not here to yell at you, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. you know,
0: and I've um I've shared a little bit of and I I don't know. I, I that must be just the mark of a good instructor. I'm not shy about the fact that I was not in the military. Um, and, but I, I shared this with you and I've shared this with the listeners that I, I did in my younger twenties through about 35, I'm turning 40 in a, in a, about a week here. Um, you know, until about 35, I was, uh, I had a senior NCO that ran a tactical training school that I was under his close watch and learned to instruct a bit and, um, I should change that to mentor.
1: <laughs> I'd like wow. to
0: think I was more of a mentor than an instructor uh and in, and how you define that Devin but you know that was one of the things that I thought was really cool is is to your point is I was brought in and it was very calm, very, you know, because I was able to focus on safety and all that kind of stuff um and and make sure that I wasn't a liability to the regular classes I was um on and then you know they were able to kick up the noise so to speak and do a little stress inoculation and stuff like that and it was Mm -hmm. nice looking back on that hearing what you have to say looking back on my experience as an always been civilian um I'm just really thankful it was done that way instead of you know shock and awe and uh yeah maybe developing some bad habits up front so very or, cool or
1: even the kind of stuff where like I always go back to my first experience when I was in college so before I would join the military I actually never I never even shot any kind of gun so the only experience I had had up to that point when I was in the I, just when I got out of the mill was going to ranges when I was in you know and mm-hmm. of course we had decently strict rules but at, you know, at any special operations unit, after a while you get, you know, everybody's confident in everybody's skills. So you get to a certain level where you go to the range and it's pretty relaxed and everybody's doing their thing and everybody knows what the mission is. But I remember when I got out of college or I got out of the military and into college and I had a girlfriend at the time, me and her, we were going to go to the range and I had my own AR and my own Glock. And I was like, all right, you know, let's go to the range. I've never, I've never even been to a civilian range at this point. And, you know, we, the guys were not friendly, <laughs> which yeah. I'm sure many people have uh, listening have experienced. They weren't friendly. They treat you as if you are kind of an idiot. And, you know, you got to sit down and watch your little range video. And then they had to go out there on the range with us and stand over your shoulder just to make sure we're shooting safely. And of course, all that stuff is super important. But from like a teaching standpoint and wanting to get people involved in the community, it usually doesn't help that much from what I've experienced.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's funny, you'd mentioned um, that experience. And, um, you know, I, there are several ranges around where I'm at. And, and the vast majority of them, um, you can't, you can't do training that even really kind of as basic as far as like, drawing uh from your holster Mm -hmm. and and shooting or the cadence of your rounds um just because there's there's people you know i've gone in into these ranges you know before and walked right back out because you know there's there's people that have not been mentored properly um and and are just unsafe on the range and i look at that and it's it's a disappointment and i you know i've told the guys at the, at the gun range and stuff like that, or that run the store. Sometimes I'm like, you know, I think you probably have the most stressful job, (laughs) um, (laughs) save like, (laughs) uh, law enforcement, uh, roadside stops and, and stuff like that around, um, strictly because of, uh, the lack of mentoring and stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, just an observation, but yeah, you're, you're right. You know, it's, it's, um, there's, there's that, I don't know. Um bedside manner that's not there sometimes. Yep. I, I think it turns a lot of people off.
1: Yes, it turns people away from the community and Yeah, I mean, you could say that you know my job could be stressful, but on the flip side of that, you know, I am so happy to have the the job that I do and I'm so blessed and just I love it every single I don't ever work. I don't have to work at all, you know what I mean? I just do what I love every single day and get to help people and it's a blast. <laughs> that's that's cool. I think uh
0: one day when I grow up, I'd like to uh, like to have uh something like that, man.
1: <laughs> when you grow uh, up.
0: <laughs> that's what I'm gonna try to attain is uh something
1: where I don't feel like I'm
0: uh working every day.
1: Oh that's yeah. That. And one more quick thing, I like to give credit where credit is due, as most of us are that way. Um mentor, where did I get that idea from? I actually got that idea from Pat McNamara. Have you heard of him? Um
0: once or twice
1: (laughs) yeah so um he has a couple books out and his you know i'm sure you've heard about him his background is like delta force guy and he teaches he's instructing them for a while and then he's been doing his own classes for a super long time now but his uh book tactical applications of practical shooting the second edition i read that about a year ago year and a half ago maybe and he talked in that book about how he because he obviously clearly he's done years and years and years of instructing and he started referring to himself as a mentor. And that's kind of where I got it because he talked about in the book how where, you know, especially if, if it's new people or even if it's super experienced guys, he noticed that, you know, coming at them from an instructor standpoint, not everybody feels great about that, you know, especially mm-hmm. if you got somebody brand new, they're kind of nervous or on the flip side, somebody super experienced, that might have an ego going along with them. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You yes. Know- so- I, you yeah, know, I, I got that from him and yeah, I mean, he's a squared away dude. And I've had buddies, uh, that I know are extremely experienced go to a lot of his stuff and they really liked it. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to kind of, you know, that's, that's kind of how I like to approach everything in my life from a positive mental standpoint. It's like, I'm going to take on this and it's worked out pretty well.
0: Yeah, I'd say it is. I mean, honestly, that's um, that's why I opened up the conversation with you. And I know we started talking back and forth Is I was like, this guy's just happy to be alive. He's happy to be oh, doing 100%. what he's doing. It bleeds through your content. Um, and it's infectious. And, uh, so yeah, it was, um, that's kind of interesting. I, I love Pat Mac. <laughs> he, uh, with oh, his, uh, basic dude stuff, um, that cracks. Oh, that's up, awesome. man. I, I, uh, I hope at one point Someone will put together um like a three-hour montage of all his basic dude stuff.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> that, that. uh I pay, pay for that. I know there, there's a lot of there's a lot of dudes I talk to. guard dudes, a lot of guys and gals. I guess not many gals, but a lot of people I talk to <laughs> that you know they like oh Pat McNamara he's cheesy blah 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 blah. Yeah, like you know he's he's uh he's very whatever you want to say he's coming i can't even describe him because he's so out there but at the same time he clearly knows his shit you know what i mean so it's one of those things where yeah he might be a little out there and might be a little in your face sometimes but you gotta give credit where credit's due you know yeah um and that's
0: that's another guy where you know his his content you know you look at um the mark of really just good. And I keep saying instructors, but teachers, mentors, yep. uh, however you want to refer to them, but, you know, look at the, look at the John levels of the warrior, warrior poet society, or, um, Craig Douglas is another favorite of mine, you know, and they're not what I would refer to as butt patters, you know, like, Oh, you're mm-hmm. doing great champ. Um, but they're approachable and it's just good content overall so that's oh, cool yeah. man um i've got to ask you what what would you say um you know there's there's an ethos right there should be behind every brand mm-hmm. um what would you say uh tcts's uh, ethos is
1: oh yeah so i've got a few of those written down right here that we have on our website as well but the first one is accountability you know so where did the tactical cowboy name came from Originally, it came from we. me and my fiance were trying to figure out, you know, I just started doing this in the wake of COVID because a lot of that uh, private security stuff kind of shut down for a while because everything shut down. And it was like, oh, man, now I got to do something. So it was like a pressure creates diamonds scenario that made Tactical Cowboy. But she was actually the originator of the name. And just because it's a fun name, it's engaging and it's unique. And also, I'm a big-time, you know, love of all things Western. And my grandfather was a huge influence in my life. So, because I grew up a lot with my grandparents and everything, which we'll probably get into later. But he was a huge influence in my life, taught me a lot of really good lessons. And one, which I'm sure you've heard of, is Measure Twice, Cut Once. Everybody's heard of that, right? Yep. So, Measure Twice, Cut Once really became... You know, once I've decided on Tactical Cowboy and it really made me think of him and everything and one of those lessons that he taught me, it works perfectly with accountability because us as gun gun owners, especially in the civilian world, we own these guns for what? Self-defense, you know? And if we're going to use these guns or use these uh, tools, I guess you could say, we need to be accountable for everything we do with them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So measuring twice, meaning... Okay, do I actually have to employ this weapon system? Do I actually need to use this? And then also, okay, if I decide I need to use it, I need to make sure I only cut once, meaning I need to execute my shot. Because, you know, as a civilian in this world, and honestly, as anybody, even law enforcement officers, obviously, as we can see, if we send a projectile out into the world and it doesn't, you know, cut once, or for lack of a better term, Meaning, I missed the target and now I damaged somebody else's property or God forbid somebody else. Now I'm the criminal. You know what I mean? That's just how it is. Mm -hmm. So accountability is pretty much one of our main ethos because you got to have it. And then that's why you've seen a lot of our targets online. Our main pistol standard is basically 30 rounds of a dot torture in single rounds, uh, double taps, or sets of five. And for all my new shooters, basically it's a pretty tight standard of accuracy. It's only three yards away, but it's a pretty small circle. And that's one thing like, okay, we need to pass this drill flawlessly without like, there's no reason to move on past that until we can do it. Because if you're going to be, you know, using these weapons and self-defense, these tools, I guess you could say you are accountable for every single round you send. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I, um, that was kind of, that was one thing that I was really thankful for, not at the time, because I, you know, I was impatient and wanted to jump into more advanced training. But, Mm -hmm. um, when I was, you know, learning, uh, patrolling concepts and, you know, different cool soldiering things that most, you know, citizens don't get to, to train regularly. You know, I was just, I was eating it up and going, gosh, I, you know, (laughs) this is awesome. Um, and, but one of the things that we weren't allowed to go to any more advanced training and stuff like that until we could qualify expert on an AQT. Um, and for, for the audience, just, you know, it was, um, I don't even know if they're still available anymore, but, uh, Fred's gunstocks.com used to have an apple seed, uh, AQT, which is uh, stands for our army qualification test. It's not the exact thing. It's oh, interesting. Just, yeah. Um, and they were, they were, um, you could actually run the the real thing, you know, simulated one, 100 yards through 400 yards, or you could run it at 25 yards, um, which was simulated for 100 through 400 yards. And we had to run them iron sights. So nice at the time, you know, we didn't have as many. So this is probably like 2008. You know, we didn't, 2005 through 2008, we didn't have as many optics options, anything good really cost money, you know, you didn't have this middle ground hole of sun as much that you do now and and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So a lot of guys, man, I would my first my first rifle was a real battle rifle. It was a M14S. Obviously it wasn't full uh select fire or anything like that, but you mm-hmm. know, that was that was one of those things where you know I learned to shoot, I learned to shoot for real on iron sights. And um but anyway, the point the point was hey you know you're no use in the field to your community or wherever you might need to apply the concepts you're learning if you can't hit what you're aiming at um and then exactly. it kind of stepped up from there where it was like okay great we're gonna do 100 yard wind sprints between stages of fire so that was the other portion too is like like you were talking about now that you're comfortable now that you know you've attained a standard um, we're gonna throw some stress inoculation into it in a safe way. Um, yeah, and you know, and that's that's so refreshing again because um, I, I feel like a lot of these instructors will, at least my impression is, that they pump people through these courses, right, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, well, you hit 50 percent of your shots, good job. It's like, yeah, but fifty percent of those rounds went off target, and you know you could have just changed some family's life forever. So that is something exactly. that just vibes yeah. so much. I, with. I,
1: I always like to, uh, you know, you. I, I always, you know, tell people, okay, you did not meet the standard in this situation, but you got to do it in like a compliment sandwich, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, hey, man, you know, your group and form was looking really good, but you kind of failed to meet the standard. But at the same time, we're getting there. We're getting better.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, I... It took a while for me to qualify expert um on that course of fire with a rifle and you know and do it from field shooting positions right so mm-hmm. it's not like you're sitting on a bench doing that and get comfortable being uncomfortable and and being understanding the impact that natural point of aim has on um your accuracy you know to the nth degree and all that kind of stuff and yeah and it's a process but man, it's so important because I got to tell you, I'm sure there's, you know, a bunch of concealed carry uh, listeners that we have and stuff. I mean, one of the big things for me is when when I'm in condition yellow and I'm out and about, I'm always looking at like, okay, if there's a a threat that appears, I mean, what's around me? What's my environment like? And, you know, rounds go through things. It's not just like, I think the over penetration thing is, is a little bit uh, blown out of the water, but at the same time rounds were desired, uh, designed to penetrate, you know, and yep. it's, it's a huge responsibility. It's, uh and I'm so happy to see when you put out content that um, underlines that and highlights that I don't think there's enough content out there saying, Hey, yeah, this is why we don't practice the speed rock anymore because we found out that shooting rounds from your hip is is really dangerous to to other people
1: (laughs) so real real quick yeah i saw you were posting on that speed rock thing honestly i haven't even heard of this what is that (laughs) so
0: i don't want to call out any (laughs) people right and especially because one of the guys that demonstrates this a lot he's a really good shooter i mean very fast Very accurate. I hope to attain (laughs) where he's at someday. Okay. And, and that's the, the point of humility that I'm approaching this from, but I, I learned, um, under the Craig Douglas school of cool, um, and that shooting from retention should be, um, you know, and, and the listeners can, can look it up, you know, the four, four count draw stroke. But, um, if you Google four count draw stroke, Craig Douglas, Um, You'll get a clip of him demonstrating. Now it's free. You can find that stuff on YouTube. But the number two shooting uh, position is really indexed off the pectoral on a downward 45 degree angle Mm -hmm. so that if you're in contact distance and you let a round fly, it's one pointed really at the ground. Um, But two, it's going to impact um, your assailant in contact distance right in the pelvic girl um and and hopefully planting them so that you can regain your composure and you know do what you got to do versus yeah. the speed rock is is more of an old 1990s um you know and for law enforcement officers i mean feel free to correct me um you know, drop me an email. <laughs> but basically there's, there's a lot of demonstrations on YouTube where you can see this, where basically the idea is in theory that you draw um, from your holster and immediately cant it horizontal to the ground from your hip and start firing rounds as you're leaning back. And the problem with that is in theory it works out, but it doesn't hold up to pressure because in contact distances, when somebody, when, uh, an officer or anybody is, is having to shoot to save their life or, or stop the threat, you know, there's going to be realistic pressure there and you give up base by leaning backwards. Um, mm-hmm. one, the rounds are not going to go where you think they are. They do on a paper target when, when there's a stationary line and you can watch people do that all day long, but under, I mean, if you, even if you did it with simunitions, you can prove it's just wildly dangerous so now hopefully i got you appropriate no
1: that that makes sense that makes sense and that kind of uh leads me into our next uh our part of our ethos which is the first one's accountability and i guess that one really works into accountability because yeah you're accountable for every projectile you send whether it's you know like i said you could be completely justified but then if you hurt a civilian another civilian you know one that's in the right You're going to have a bad time. But yeah, so that leads into my next one, which is protection. Because, and that just pretty much is like, why are we doing this? You know, we're doing this to protect our family, community, and our friends. You know what I mean? And yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge thing that a lot of people that I uh, meet in this, whatever you want to call it, tactical training world, whenever they come to me wanting to do basic farm safety or all the way up until, like I said, the CQB stuff we did this past weekend they're all about protection and that's what we're all about is just we want to give you these life-saving skills whether it's you know self-defense with a firearm or whether it's medical but yeah the whole goal of it is just to protect our loved ones and our community you know what I mean
0: yeah absolutely so we've got
1: we've got accountability protection anything else yes sir uh critical thought so this is a huge one, you know. This works into measure, measure twice, cut once, and decision making. You know, meaning, like I said before, you've got this tool. This tool is lethal, so I want you to uh, critically think about: Do I need to employ this weapon system? And you know, if I need to use it, I need to know my target, what's beyond it, all this kind of crazy stuff. And it also works into one of our favorite training modalities that we like to send people through, which is unknown scenarios. So I've done a lot of different shooting and shot with a lot of different complete badasses, like from awesome civilian shooters all the way to, you know, other Army Rangers, Special Forces guys, Navy SEALs, Delta guys. I've gotten to shoot and train with all these really different cool people. And one thing I've noticed is a lot of times we do a lot of drills at the range when it's like, you know, a bunch of cool targets similar to like a USPSA match or whatever but it's a known scenario. So, okay, you're gonna go from here to here. You're gonna shoot these targets all with a three rounds or whatever. And then you're gonna shoot this one in the head. And then we're gonna do it as fast as as fast as fast humanly possible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is really good training. But we like to do things a little differently where uh, one of our favorite things to do with newer clients and especially at some of our more advanced classes is like I said, unknown scenarios. So that's where we'll take somebody they'll actually be facing up range. We will set up a complete, di- completely different scenario behind them every time where you've got non-threats, you know, maybe in front of your target or beyond your target or both. We've also got our, our auto targets, which you've probably seen online, which oh, yeah. you know, they, they pop up on a certain scenario we set them on and they only fall if you s- hit them accurately, which is really fun. So yeah, critical thought, meaning with these unknown scenarios, we say, all right, you know, you guys ready? You got your uh, magazines loaded and everything. Threat, they turn around and now they have to decipher, okay, what do I need to do here? Are there friendlies? Are there combatants? Where are they? I'm going to have to move laterally to then make a decision so I can get a clean shooting lane, all sorts of stuff like that. So yeah, we try to make people think well from the beginning of their, uh, of their marksmanship journey. Like I said, even with newer shooters, I'll do this with them once they can, you know, probably achieve that, uh, our TCTS pistol standard target, they can get that sweet. And at the end of our training session, we'll throw in one or two super basic unknown scenarios where they're facing up range, boom, they turn around. Maybe it's just two targets. One's a shoot, one's a no shoot. You got to decide to shoot the bad guy. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. So that's one of my, um, biggest points I always stress on is critical thought. You know what I mean? So that was, that was one of the things that
0: um just kind of rocked my world. I, like, um you know, I, I, when I was going through and my, my training progression and, you know, trying to be a better protector and all that kind of stuff is the, the concept that when you started to see folks shooting really fast, you know, on these stationary targets at like, I don't know, three yards and whatever. And, and it's a lot of you know cool guy factor and and this is a family show so i'll try and <laughs> say you know it it makes guys all amped up right for lack mm-hmm. of better terms and stuff and it's great you know hoorah content and all that kind of stuff but uh you know one of the, one of the instructors had had brought up like hey you know you have to realize that when these guys are shooting so fast at stationary targets to your point, Devin, you know, there's something that's not being exercised there, and that, you know, for lack of better terms, um, I forget exactly what he. Oh, cognitive uh, thought process, but essentially critical thought. Exactly mm. what you're saying, um, and I know there's there's different targets out there that'll work. That you know, the um, for folks that have seen the the triangle, square, circle, and their primary colors blue, um, yep. yellow, and red, right. Um, And, and, and then they're numbered as well. So you you have a training partner calling this stuff out. So you're exercising, okay, I'm not just blasting a bunch of rounds into a silhouette, I'm actually having to think through what my target is, and and why, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, man, that's another thing. You you talk about uh, accountability for rounds. That's another thing that just working that cognitive muscle, that critical thought, we need more of that, Devin. We need more of that, man. You got to you got to get some content out there for us and guide us, man. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. We, we'll end up uh, doing some stuff on that. But the re- the reality is, it's like you got to have I mean, it's hard to exercise the critical thought if you don't have somebody else setting it up for you, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like you got to have
1: at least a buddy at the range. That's gonna even if you do it as simple as like you're saying, the Different shapes and colors. Now your buddy's got to call that out. So that's why Thank our you. community is so important. So we can help each other. Man, that is
0: a good point. Definitely. So we've yeah, got so. Oh, we've go got ahead. accountability. We've got protection. We've got critical thought.
1: Yes, sir. Next is positivity. So you noted on this, and you could see it all in our, uh, you know, social media stuff and on the website and all that kind of stuff. Um, positivity is super important to me it's kind of, you know, I've had a lot of struggles in my life, but I've always been a glass half full or glass completely full, whatever you'd want to call it, super positive person. And like you said, it's been infectious. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So positivity is something that's really important to me because like I said, it brings in that relaxed training environment. Everybody has fun. Everybody learns more and it helps our community. And yeah, I mean, I know you saw my post the other day. It's like, we got to smile more guys we got to have more fun because there's so much negativity in the in the firearms world in the world in general as we all know which we'll end up talking about i'm sure in a little bit but just keeping that positive mental attitude will help us you know in our marksmanship realm in our tactics realm in our spiritual realm in our family community you know it's pretty important to me
0: yeah there's you know that's that's one of those things um know it's easy to get caught up in all of the crap right that's going on and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff and you know there's there's little things like just and i have to do this for me so i you know just kind of remind i had a good discussion with uh my buddy last night who was over and again I, i mentioned we were doing this and um you know and and he was giving me some constructive criticism and stuff like that um and it was one of those things where, you know, it made me think about how I'm viewing the blessings that are are going on, you know, in this country and all that kind of stuff. Like one, we could sit here and, and be, you know, say, oh, look at all the corruption, look at all this and that. But man, we still live in the freest country in the world. Like oh, it, yeah. You know, we still um you know, we, we still get the opportunity to go out and preach uh, responsible firearm ownership. We, we still get the chance to infect other people with um, the idea, the ideals of self-reliance and uh, freedom and all those kind of things. And I, I think, you know, if you look back uh, at how things were, how firearm ownership and tactical training in the civilian world was viewed in the 1980s and 1990s um versus where it's at now it's like man there's there's a lot of switched on people whereas you know if you had a tactical training course in the 1980s with ars people would be like well why do you need that that's the impression i get so mm-hmm. you know um you had mentioned glass half full or or all the way full <laughs> really i think we're a lot closer to all the way full even though um there's definitely some issues Uh, going on and stuff like that not that we want to ignore it but yeah Yeah. man
1: that is a good reminder and I I appreciate that yes sir and my last uh part of our ethos is open-mindedness so and you noted on this that's kind of how I am from what you've noticed but I say open-mindedness because the tactics are ever-changing and even with the current tactics whatever you'd say like okay these are my rules for example of CQB training but In real life, in self-defense, when your life's on the line, pretty much there are no rules. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, open-mindedness in terms of actually employing these skills if you had to in real life. And then open-mindedness in just the training realm, you know? Everybody's got a different way they do it. Like I said, we try to show everybody, for example, in a pistol grip, different ways to do it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, open-mindedness is huge because... If you're close-minded, you're never going to evolve. And we want to be constantly evolving to the world around us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um,
0: and that's uh, just to kind of be pretty candid with um, with the audience here is like. So Devin posted this video where he was just rolling through rounds out of his pistol. I think this was a couple months ago, Devin. But you were yeah. rolling through rounds so quickly on your pistol. I was like, okay when we actually meet up and, and I get to uh, go through some of your training. um, I need you to uh, take a look at my handgun handgun grip and see if there's anything I can do to improve. I was, I was really impressed (laughs) with how, how uh, well you controlled um, your follow-up shots. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's to your point, you know, it's, it doesn't matter where you're at. Um, Mm-hmm. there's always there's always room to improve and sit there and man i thought i knew before i ran into craig douglas i i thought i had grappling and combatives all figured out and then i realized oh my gosh it's not just pistols or grappling it could be both you know and there's mm-hmm. it's just it's always evolving and it's it's really kind of cool too i mean we again you go back to uh the positivity and stuff we we're in a culture where this is celebrated at least within, I don't know, half of the country or whatever, but you know, this is celebrated where we can continue to innovate and grow and pressure test and all that kind of stuff. So.
1: Yep. Exactly. And just a quick note on that video, if anybody goes to look at it, it's like an old Monday minute video, probably the first one I did maybe. Yeah. And that is a stock Glock. So (laughs) this, just so everybody knows that is not some sort of a, You know, $2,000 souped up. All we do is just like stock Glocks, stock ARs. We try to be very, very simple because, you know, most everybody we're shooting with is going to be utilizing a stock weapon. You know what I mean? So we want to be proficient with that instead of, oh, yeah, I can shoot. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but like I went and shot with one of my SF buddies uh, a couple of days ago and it was awesome. And he had this crazy brand new like shadow systems freaking you know how they kind of look like glocks it's basically a glock but it's all souped up Mm -hmm. and this thing like you did not have to fight the recoil at all you just had to hold the gun and it would stay perfectly flat so that's all fine and dandy but most people don't have the access to to, a two thousand dollar pistol you know what i mean yeah so like for me i do everything with a stock pistol because i don't know i like to show people that yes you can be very proficient and you don't need to do any upgrades, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that is really encouraging too, um, because you know, at a certain point, I mean, you can go out and get all these different triggers and stuff. And I've always worked on my own Glocks and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I was here. You know, I came from a background uh, working in the defense industry, uh, building combat vehicles, and and I was highly involved with the engineering uh, side of things. And we were always concerned about stacking tolerances and all those things, and mm-hmm. you know, and, and deviating. You know, it, when you were very careful about when you put a deviation request in from the original design, because there was an engineer that did that with thought. There was a reason behind it. You start changing all these things, you you could, in theory, run into some issues. Now I know there's a bunch of pressure tested, um, you know, aftermarket stuff, some from high quality manufacturers. So I don't want to knock anybody if you if you run that in your pistol but man again you go back to refreshing uh refreshing to see somebody rolling with a stock glock and really just running it like whoa <laughs> you know um so that's cool I like. oh that. yeah
1: but yeah there's like you said too there's nothing wrong with all that uh all those upgrades i mean clearly the best shooters in the world use all those upgrades for a reason because it works you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah definitely um and, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I switched from a Gen 4 Clock 19 that did have um, an aftermarket. I think it was a, a Precision Overwatch uh, trigger. And, you know, I, I kept the connector uh, stock on it. But even that did, did wonders for um, over travel and reset. Um, mm-hmm. But I switched to the, the Gen 5. And I've noticed, even though people advertise um, those triggers all over the place, um, the Gen 5 is pretty decent. It's a pretty decent trigger. I'd be interested to hear what y'all think, but um, nobody has any aftermarket triggers for the Gen 5 in stock. And they haven't been for like a long time. Yeah, I wondered, I I, I gotta start asking around, why why are all the Gen 5 um, aftermarket triggers out of stock? If you know, I want you to write in and school me. because I just, you know, I'm I'm a gear nut. I pay attention to what's going on there. But
1: uh... oh yeah, yeah. For that's interesting. Yes, from my standpoint with triggers, I actually, you know, I am biased because in my military time, and then after that, I'm doing all like the private stuff and everything. And on my personal weapons, I've just had Glock 19s or 17s the entire time, so I'm extremely used to it. Mm-hmm. But even if it's any other pistol, I actually prefer the stock trigger. Over a competition style trigger. I mean, it depends on your goal, but I'm talking mainly for self defense and that kind of thing. Yeah. Because I like to hang out at the wall of that trigger. So when I'm ready to break that shot, I can do it no problem. And the reality is, if I have to employ this weapon system in real life, in a real self defense scenario, I am going to be, you know, ultra strength on that pistol, meaning my grip's gonna be insanely tight. And if I have an extremely light trigger, I feel like it's going to be pretty likely that you might end up breaking that shop before you want to. You know what I mean? Amen. I got gotcha. you. Accountability.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's almost like there's a reoccurring theme here. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. So, all right. So we've been through. We're, I, I feel like um, you know we're we're really getting to know you now. We're really coming into uh, our own on this podcast here. Um anything it. you want to tell us about your life before I really start grilling you over stuff.
1: All right. Um, I don't know. I guess we could just go into my background and yeah, all man. that kind of good stuff. So I was just a small town, small town kid, grew up in a small town in Illinois called Mendota, M-E-N-D-O-T-A. No, it's not near Chicago. Everybody asks, you know, I'm from <laughs> Illinois. Where at near Chicago? No, Mendota. Oh, where's that in relation to Chicago? That's what, how it goes every time. But we're about two and a half, three hours from Chicago, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I grew up in a, ah, blah, can't even talk. Grew up in a real small town. Um, Grew up with my father. Uh, I never knew my mother. I guess uh, she was kind of out of the picture when I was one or before that time period. So long story short, um, grew up with my father. And that being said, you know, no issues there. no no worries because I had a really really good childhood even though I grew up without my mother Mm -hmm. because you know I had my brother and then a stepmother for some time and but in our small town in Illinois I had my grandfather my grandmother and both sets of my aunts and uncles and then many many cousins so we had like a really strong family unit growing up in the small town in Illinois so that was incredible. Um, Growing up you know Always wanted, you know, just like everybody else, right? Always wanted to be the top athlete, super popular guy. Always tried, but never really was that great at it. Like (laughs) (laughs) I was, uh, you know, I tried in sports. I tried really, really hard, but I never had that, you know, incredible gift of athleticism. So this, you'll you'll see where this kind of comes together later on. Long story short, tried really hard. Never quite got there, which is all right, because you got to put forth that effort and be able to accept losses. When I was 16, my father ended up passing away, actually, which was a pretty impactful moment in my life, as you could imagine. Yeah. So then at that point, I went and uh, lived with my grandparents until I ended up going to the military. But yeah, so that happened, graduated high school. Um, around 16, we're doing stuff for the football team. I got into lifting weights, and that became Lifting weights, physical fitness became a huge passion in my life from day one, the first time I started it in high school. That led me to, as I was 18 years old, I had already graduated high school, or at least I was close to it around this time, going to our local YMCA, because back where I'm from, that's the only gym you got around there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a, I didn't know this guy was an Army recruiter, but he became a really good friend of mine, Dave Martin. Shout out to him. He's super Awesome um he ended up we were talking you know always seen him at the gym great friends and he's like hey man you know you should be an army ranger and I was like what is, I had no idea what that even was I had a little bit of an idea because I'd seen black hawk down like everybody else yeah but I didn't have that much of a backstory on what rangers did or anything like that and you know thinking about the military I always was on my mind because my grandfather served in the Korean war and all that kind of stuff and my family was really uh pro-america pro-veteran super patriotic town all that kind of good stuff so yeah he kind of brought that up to me he's like yeah you should be a ranger And i was like huh so then he sent me some info on that and that got me you know into that idea and yeah he signed me up and then yeah i went to basic training on january 11, 2000, 2011 and then from there the rest is history And I say all that kind of stuff because um, to say this, so Dave Martin, that my recruiter, I'm still great friends with him to this day. He ended up telling me way after the fact, after I got out of the army and everything, he's like, you know, you know why I, you know, came to you and said, oh, you should be a ranger versus all these other guys. And I was like, I don't know why, because I wasn't like the most athletically gifted, but I was in good shape. You know, I was into physical fitness and that kind of stuff. But he said, it's because I knew you could handle the uh, the mental stress of them breaking you down constantly because he recognized that, you know, with my father passing away when I was young, never knowing my mother, always trying to be a, an athlete and, you know, not ever making it to the like an elite level, I guess you could say. He knew I could deal with loss and I can deal with, you know, you know how it could be in the military. They're breaking you down. And they're stressing you out mentally. And he is like, I think that this kid can push past all those things because yeah, that's what it takes to kind of get through those kind of uh, training for those elite levels. And yeah, he was right. Cause when I was there, basic training, even airborne school, and especially ranger selection, you know, we had guys that were physical studs that you'd think, oh, they're gonna crush this. And on the first week, they're dropping out because they don't know how to deal with being broken down and being or they don't know how to deal with adversity, you know, and while I wasn't necessarily the most gifted, I had a good idea of how to deal with adversity at that point in my life. You know what I mean? That's, um, that's re- really powerful. Um,
0: obviously cause it's a powerful story, mm-hmm. um, and, and background. Um, but I, I think like, you know, just me, if I were sitting here listening to this, I would also be thinking like, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of family men out there and family women too. You know, this podcast is not just for, for dads. Um, it's for, it's for mama bears too. Um, and I know there's a small percentage of you, according to the analytics and, uh, uh-huh. and I'm very, and I'm very thankful for those mumble bears. Um, and, but you know, you look at that and you sit there and most of us in our you know, in our citizen lives, you know, we're maybe working, you know, 40, somewhere be- between 40 and 70 hours at a job. Um, you know, we've got families to take, take care of houses, yards, whatever, you know, and, and you have to be real strategic about how much time you invest in your physical fitness and all that kind of stuff. So you're probably not rolling like a 22 year old that's got nothing but time on their hands to, to be working on their physique and all that kind of stuff. So, what you're telling me, Devin, is just it's it's really kind of encouragement for all of us family people out in the trenches, you know, um, mm-hmm. to focus on maybe maybe things that we've overcome and and use that to uh, fuel the fire um, to not be broken down and stuff. But now I'm, I'm sure, sure there's many takeaways that uh, you've been obviously down a road and um, that's you know, allowed you to be who you are and stuff. That's, that's intense. And I I appreciate you sharing that with us.
1: Oh, yeah. And, you know, I guess you could say dealing with the adversity, as you know, because you're, you said you're 35 years old, you've lived quite quite a life so far, I'm sure. Everybody listening, adversity, dealing with it never stops, you know. So it's not like, you know, once I went into the military, like everything was hunky dory, you know, like I had instances in the military where, I was like, okay, I need to do this. And then most of the things, most of the things I did pretty well, at, I was pretty happy with, but then some things I failed at, I had to keep trying and keep trying. And yeah. then even, you know, college, a bunch of stuff like that, as everybody knows, if they've been to college dang, you fail at stuff all the time, and you're like, what? I got a C on that. How dare, what the heck's up with that? You know? Yeah. And then even getting into the private security world. I remember when I first started getting into that, I, um, Like, you know, like uh, depending on, you know, who I'll be working for and stuff, but you'd have to do certain, okay, we need you to qualify at a certain level on this certain weapon or a physical standard, whatever it may be. And I was feeling extremely confident and I was crushing everything. And I got to this one thing, which was like a silly little, um, weapon that's don't want to get too much into it, but Mm -hmm. I should have been able to crush it. And for some reason I had an off day. And I didn't pass it. And it was like crushing. But then I came back two weeks later, kind of finagled my way back into getting a spot into the tryouts. And I passed it with flying colors. And it's just one of those things where, you know, you're going to lose. I mean, it's funny. We see all this stuff on social media and TV. And it seems like everybody we kind of look up to is constantly winning, you know? And the reality (laughs) is that's not the case. People, especially successful people, lose all the time but the thing is they just don't let it stop them you know yeah you
0: you bring up something that's um super super important to the family people too out there is you know since some so much time is provided you know this brand was not just about protections also about provision and that hits the preparedness thing Mm -hmm. but you know I, i think there's a lot of takeaways there because in the providing aspect we all want to be better providers and you know, balance at work, family life, and all that kind of stuff. I, I was just telling before we jumped on the podcast, I was just, you know, small chat with Devin. And I had mentioned, like, I just came off, I'm coming off of a huge week where, you know, just some really good things are happening at work um, and in the career and stuff. But last week, you know, I had to take some constructive criticism where I've just had month after month just crushing it. You know, um, I have a very good business mentor who knows how to deliver some constructive criticism, but it's funny how you mentioned, you think, man, I'm just killing it. And you get that confidence, you get the snowball building and, and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, man, something like hits your ego a little bit. And uh, oh, yeah. you know, like, and you gotta, and you gotta, you gotta roll with it. You gotta, um, you gotta take it for what it is and, and accept it and use it as a reminder to the fact that, while you might be slaying it today, you might not tomorrow. And (laughs) you just got to keep rolling. And uh, so anyway, I'm just being kind of candid with the audience here. Um, Oh yeah, no, we're good. Last week I had to eat some humble pie at work, um, with something I feel that I should have like totally been as a leader in my industry, I should have down pat. And it was a good reminder, you know? So, um, man, there's so many good lessons that you're bringing up here, Devin. Um, Man, we could probably turn this into a five-hour podcast, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. So you have this awesome training mentality, this mentorship, this ethos, and this background and life story that I'm like, I think everybody's out here going, man, I wish this guy was my next door neighbor. Um, So first of all, I slight correction to Devin. I turned 40 in, in a week. Right. Oh, I don't know where I get,
1: because
0: I I think I said I was, I was heavy into training, tactical training from my early twenties to about 35. And then Mm -hmm. I had to start shifting gears and getting really serious about, not that I wasn't serious about providing before, but my time is really chewed up here. And uh, so Devin like graced me with five years. I wish I was five years younger. (laughs) So, um, Uh, No, I'm so now to your point, though, I've got to be serious about my fitness because I've got what I feel will be my prime for the next, you know, five years. And I want that to roll into um, my mid 50s and stuff like that. So I'm really going to be focusing on my PT, my physical fitness um, now more than ever, because I don't want to I don't want all my muscles to atrophy. But yeah, I was I was just laughing about that for a minute. I was like, man, if only Devin could wave a wand and make me five years younger, I would love
1: it. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like I like that you said that about physical fitness, because it obviously I'm sure you've talked about it on your podcast before. It's an extremely important note. And I've got it written down here, too, for whatever you want to call it, the family man, the family woman in your like preparedness uh, scenario or whatever. Yeah, extremely important because you can have all the assets in the world, but If you're not physically fit and or physically healthy, it's not going to help you that much. And also physical fitness for me and a lot of other people that I've worked with is just a great way to become, I guess you could say numb to dealing with the adversity, you know? Mm -hmm. Clearly it's not as uh, an adverse of an event like it would be, I don't know, losing a family member or I don't know, maybe you lose your arm or something like that would be a pretty serious event. But just physical fitness and like getting yourself to the gym or getting yourself to go on that trail run every day, maybe you don't have to do it every day, but whatever. Getting to do it consistently is like tiny little victories against adversity, you know? So if anybody's struggling with, oh, you know, like I just feel like I can't get going or I can't deal with adversity or I I have anxiety, I hear that kind of stuff a lot, you know, put yourself in that situation. But the easiest one could be, all right, I'm going to run for five minutes you know what I mean then you get that small victory you're like oh man I can overcome that maybe now I can overcome I don't know switching my career or I can overcome my goals at work or family stuff or something like that you know
0: right on yeah that is um gosh that is that is so critical and you know the funny thing is you you mentioned about the positivity too I read Mm -hmm. somewhere I didn't fact check this so you know take this with a grain of salt, everyone, but I, I heard somewhere that even, you know, like working out or exercising for 30 minutes a day, three times a week, so that's a total of an hour and a half of exercise a week. I mean, that's like, it could be something as simple as taking a brisk walk with uh, your spouse or your kids or whatever um, for 30 minutes or better. That is supposedly, scientists have said supposedly, that's the equivalent of a low dose um, antidepressant as far as its impacts. Now, I I know, and that's not to say, I know antidepressants have a whole host of things, right? But I'm just saying, if you cut out any of the negative impacts and just like took the positives, they say that that's that's what that would have at the the least. So, I mean, your outlook on life, you know? And I, I try to remember when I don't feel like getting on my mountain bike, and going for a long ride, I try to remember like, Hey, I literally have a say, so in my outlook tomorrow by getting my butt on this bike, throwing, throwing some earbuds in. Um, even though I'm like cutting out most of my situational awareness there and, and going (laughs) for that, going for that six mile ride, you know, and it's not a long ride, but I can do six miles pretty quickly. And I have no excuse not to, um, and it's into your point it's just, it's a struggle. Sometimes you're like, oh man, I, I just had a rotten day. You give yourself little, at least I do. I give myself little excuses. I'll be like, oh yeah, well, I killed it today so I can slack off a little bit, or I had a rotten day. So, you know, I'm going to give myself a little bit of slack. And, and that's, at least for me, that's dangerous. So.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. You want to end up you know, something I like to think about, a couple of things. One thing is to myself, just saying, you know, instead of saying I have to go to the gym today or I have to go to work today. I mean, I can't really complain about my life that much. I love my life, but <laughs> Your instead, life's saying, awesome, man. <laughs> instead of saying I have to say, I get to, you know, yeah. I get to go to the gym. I have the opportunity, you know what I mean? So that really helps me like, all right, instead of saying I have to do this, I get to do this because. Yeah, As I we just, all know, you know, life gets stressful, but at least we're alive. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I just literally just wrote that down. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to post that somewhere um, in my office here. I'm going nice. to, in my back cave, I'm going to post that. I get to. Um, so that's cool. Look, we're, I'm having a great time. And I'm looking at the clock here going, oh man, we've been, <laughs> we've been podcasting for a bit. So I know we're going to have you back on again. But before we we shut this down, I want, from your perspective, um, given everything that's going on in the world, all the considerations, and just being a good family protector and provider, what are maybe the top five, top three, top 10, whatever things you think a family protector should be concerned about? keeping their family safe in the future or what, what should be priorities? Give, give us a top oh, list.
1: Oh yeah. So I've got a few things written down, but you know, it all depends on what situation. So there's, it's really, it's, it's really tough question, you know, when you think about it, cause it's like, Oh, what situation are you really thinking about? Mm-hmm. But the first one I have written down is just simply being able to provide food, water and shelter and essentials to your family, you know, because You could be this hardcore gun badass and have all these super cool, you know, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, like operator skills and all this. But if you're not providing those basic essentials for your family, does it really mean that much? Not exactly, you know? Right on. Yep. And then a couple other things I have written down is just family strength and cohesiveness. You know what I mean? Because... Like I said, you could have all those skills, but if your family isn't a strong unit and they're not cohesive and loving, are they really going to work together in some sort of situation? And then that kind of leads me into having just basic uh, contiguous emergency plans with your family. You know, hey, if there's a fire in my house, what are we going to do? And then everybody's on the same page. If there's an intruder, what are we going to do? You know, if this happens or that happens in public, you know, what are we gonna do? You know what I'm saying? So if you're already thinking about those things ahead of time as a family man or a family protector, you've already got half the battle one because at this point everybody's on the same page. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, yep. go ahead. You no, know, I was gosh, man. <laughs> There's
0: just so many good thoughts here. Um, yeah. I just you know, and that's that's um That's definitely solid family. You know, I was talking about this with uh, the Uvalde uh, shooting that happened and stuff, and and all the clatter that happens every time there's a sensationalized um, shooting that's going on. And I I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I think I explored that to the nth degree on the last podcast. But you know, one of the one of the things that's it seems to be like causing or not causing maybe. I don't know. Allowing this to fester is a lack of a family unit. You bring up the the strength and the the loving attitudes uh, towards each other and stuff like that. And I mean, look at look at all the broken homes and stuff like that. And i i came I came from an interesting situation myself. Um, and and you just look at that and say, you know, how many of these problems in our society could be fixed with to your point, maybe not the the perfect nuclear family, but a loving support system um, where people are taught the value of life and hard work and respect for each other and stuff. Um, man, that thing, that point you made, it's like, there's so much to unpack there. Uh, I can't be stated enough. Yeah, definitely. Um, the emergency plans, man, that's, we should probably do a podcast just on emergency planner or contingency planning there and stuff like that. I mean, my I, I tease my wife and my wife teases me, but we're we're a couple, I I say we're a couple nuts when um it comes to contingency planning. But we always I always feel like uh Murphy's law, you know, the the other shoe's gonna drop. If you don't plan for a contingency, you know. Um, The situation will zig when it should have zagged and stuff like that. That's like, and just in like normal day, like, oh, I'm supposed to pick my kid up at two and you plan on being there, um, but something unforeseen holds you up. Like, does your kid know what to do and stuff like that? And that's stuff that um, I I have to keep reminding myself that I can be practicing today. You know, it's not like we're going to suddenly rise to the occasion when we've never been practicing this stuff in in the yeah. long term I love it that's cool so um I'm trying to think what else uh, yes've
1: yeah, so I've got a couple other things written down here for the family protector do like it. I said th- those ones I just noted on are things that are obviously super basic but that a lot of times super basic things get overlooked when you know trying to do like a as many, you know, high speed Navy SEAL operator courses as you can do kind of overshines them because it's sexy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you know, then you'd go to uh, a little more advanced stuff, which would be just basic medical and basic self-defense where I think a lot of people are focusing on the self-defense these days, which is super awesome. You know, you've got a couple weapons or something, or I guess you'd say a couple of tools to help you defend your family in case you need to get there. But then also the first aid aspect, like, I know in in the US, it can be pretty hard, but it'd be really important and really critical to have emergency medical supplies, you know, for major issues, you know, splints, tourniquets, gauze, wraps, stuff like that. And then also just the basics, like, you know, um, pain reliever, ibuprofen, different sort of over-the-counter drugs you can get. And then if you can get it somehow, I don't know how you do it, but. Can get it, you know, some sort of like antibiotics and antivirals just in case, you know, whatever situation you're preparing for. If you can't get to a doctor, because if you can't get to a doctor, well, whose responsibility is it? It's yours as the parent, and if you're not prepared, well, that's gonna suck, you know what I mean? For sure. Um, so you had mentioned I know
0: you offer, um, you offer kind of uh, TC3 and combat lifesaver type courses, right.
1: Yes. So uh, I've talked to a few people about that. Uh, we call it our stop the bleed course. We've got a couple like mannequin legs and stuff that'll actually pump blood. So then you get experience packing a wound. And we talk about all that kind of stuff in the class. That being said, I wouldn't call it C because I believe to be actually called TCCC, it has to be with live animals. So I don't want anybody to get confused thinking we're able to do it with live animals while that would be incredible, we don't have the, uh, the ability to do that just yet.
0: It's, it's interesting to me, the type of terminology that's thrown around out there when doctrinally there's like little pieces that most people, most people didn't even know about. Like, I, I didn't know that, you know, and, and I've been around, um, this stuff for a long time. I've had, um, SF medics uh, provide instruction and all that kind of stuff. But there's, there's aspects that in our civilian life, we, we really never get to see. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. Um, oh yeah.
1: It's, it's one of those things where now I'm not for certain that it has to be with a live animal or a live something to call it certified TCCC. Yeah. But I feel like, I feel like it has to be because I know there's a whole thing with certain types of tourniquets where, Certain types of tourniquets, like a cat, I'm sure you're familiar with that. That's like the most popular one. Yeah, that is by certified, I believe, by the TCCC organization. And then there's other up and coming tourniquet styles that they say TCCC certified, but it's like a it's different not. TCCC. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like it's the. To get you, but I just want people to know that. Yeah, like the rats tourniquet, it, it says it
0: on there, and I don't want to go into that whole thing um, with. Uh, with that person's um you know it's like it's a company right that's like named exactly t triple c or whatever and and it's i mean those rats uh, tourniquets are are interesting and and i have a bunch of those but i also have cats because mm-hmm. you know the cat is to your point it's probably the most you know i know the what the soft t is right up there too and oh, yeah. you know the windless on on the soft t is um, obviously metal and the the one on the cat is is plastic so mm-hmm. um yeah I actually put that just kind of a, a note here um I've seen folks go out and buy like knockoff cat tourniquets like please 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 don't do that um go to North American rescue and buy the the I think it's gen seven uh cat yeah they're
1: they're, be careful what you buy. <laughs> yeah, they're only what 25, 30 bucks for the cheap ones are 10 or 15.
0: Yeah. It just yeah. like if you buy it on Amazon, you got to be very, very careful. Um, yes. And there's there's actually websites out there that'll show you how to how to um spot a fake cat, but I mean that could literally be. The difference of going in, uh, for lack of a better analogy, going in thinking you have a loaded gun and it's it's just loaded with blanks. You know, God forbid yep. that tourniquet break when you really
1: need it. So right, that's very true. Mm-hmm. I have myself purchased a bunch of. Uh, uh, I guess you, I like to call them copycats. That's funny, but I've uh, purchased a bunch of those. But we just use them for training. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that's and that's. Um, man, I didn't even think of that. It's a good idea. That's yeah, because
1: cool. they're
0: cheap. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. Um, yeah, so that that's the other thing too. And I, I just noticed, um, or not noticed, but I had this thought came up about dealing with stop the bleed and stuff like that. There's another, with all this, you know, everybody's got their cell phones out when something's happening. So we're getting to see all this footage, right? And we're getting to see... Gosh, there was a thing going around on Instagram yesterday and the day before uh, about that subway stabbing that happened in New York. And you you get to see this trail of blood, really, of, um, you know, this person. and, And they're obviously going into shock and all that kind of stuff. And that's another thing that I think is really important. Everybody thinks like, oh, I'll be fine when the blood starts flowing and I can handle that. But it seems like everybody that we get to see in this footage goes into shock. And, you know, what's, what's your viewpoint on that? I mean, obviously you, you do what you do. You, you uh, I'm sure are a, a voice for handling, um, teaching people to handle shock and, and all that kind of stuff.
1: Are you, so you're saying the, uh, the patient, meaning the injured person's going to shock or the person trying to help goes into like a mental state of shock?
0: Well, good point on that. <laughs> so definitely I'm referring to um, the people, uh, the patient, right, or, or the, the victim, um, the casualty, but good point on the, the per, you know, everybody thinks like, oh, I'll be able to help and, and jump in that, and I, I know there's, um, you know, that's something that you kind of need to be exposed to and um, desensitized and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, I was speaking more along the lines of, like, the importance of, um you know, being able to help somebody who is a casualty and going into shock because so many people do.
1: Oh, yeah. So for what we teach with our uh, emergency medical stop the bleed course, which is focused on like serious injury like that, where somebody could bleed out. Of course, the first um, the first priority is to address that bleeding scenario, you know, whatever it may be, a chest wound, a thoracic cavity or on the limbs or something like that. And then we just teach people to treat for shock no matter what, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because why not? Because that's just kind of how the recent training I've gotten is as well, is it's like, I I feel like I know my stuff pretty well. That being said, I'm not an extremely trained medical professional where I can recognize, oh, well, at this point, I don't really need to train for shock, but maybe at this point I want to, I just do it anyways, because it's probably not going to hurt them but it would really suck if I didn't treat for shock and then they died because of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I just, you know,
0: um, I I just remember the first time I, uh, I got a really bad laceration and, you know, I had some capillary bleeding um, but the, I severed a good vein in my arm and, you know, obviously uh, uh, bleeding from the vein has its own you know issues too, where you might not have arterial um, spurting and stuff like that. You could have cascading bleeding from the veins and all that kind of stuff. I didn't know any of this stuff, right? And and to make matters worse, you know, the first time dealing with a major bleed, um, I was 18. You know, seeing my blood shoot across the room, uh, man, I started. I, I realized I was shutting down quick. You know, my my cognitive process. Cause I was starting to get tripped out by the blood. Um, and it, it was funny how quickly that not funny, but strange how quickly that set in. Um, and I had to find somebody really quick and say, Hey, you know, I need help. I, I know I need to go to the hospital. Um, and that was done in enough time where I was putting pressure on the wound myself, but I knew the clock was ticking and I, like, I could feel like, Oh man, I'm starting to get real tingly. And, um, yeah, it was really wild uh that experience. And I and I I empathize with people when I see these videos of somebody injured and stuff and and they start staggering and you know it's setting in. Um I oh, think yeah. that's that's definitely something that uh treating for shock um is uh is huge. Um I think and I I, I need to go through some retraining actually myself um for uh stop the bleed. So
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can end up setting up something virtual for Stop the Blue. That'd be pretty neat.
0: Um, yeah, I think it's just gotta happen, man. That's a good idea. Yep. Um, so all right, we've got, man, we've been at this. I think we've been going for an hour and a half almost.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so here's what I'm gonna do. Um, just for the audience, I think we're gonna have to have Devin on. Um, kind of recurring. I can tell you already right now, we're going to have lots of stuff to talk about. I could pick this guy's brain, like I said, for the next five hours. Um, but I'm going to do, I'm going to do as a solid and kind of stretch some of these topics out into further episodes. Um, Devin, you cool with that?
1: Yes, sir. Sounds good to me.
0: Awesome. Okay. So before we go, though, I want to, um, I want to know, like, where, where can I go train with you? tell tell the audience where where can we look you up how can we get in contact with you to take some courses on not only running our firearms but um you know stopping the bleed and and other cool things
1: oh yes sir so as you mentioned before you know we're pretty active on social media facebook hasn't really gotten that much traction i'm not exactly sure why just because but we put the same stuff on there (laughs) Mm -hmm. but yeah so facebook would be tactical cowboy training solutions the Instagram page, which we discussed, would be at Cowboy one We also have a YouTube, Tactical Cowboy Training Solutions, that like most any videos we put on the social media sites will also go on there. And then we have our website, www.thetacticalcowboy.com. Pretty easy to remember. And yeah, on the website, we've got our upcoming course schedule. If you want to schedule a course or a private session, a scheduling app on there, and then, yeah, a bunch of really cool resources, physical fitness stuff, as well as the training tools and targets section, which we have five pistol targets and five rifle targets. So if you want to end up training yourself on some interesting standards, you can look those up too.
0: That's solid. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. Gosh, there's so much I want to cover here. And uh, and I'm like, it feels like we've only been chatting for about 15 minutes. Um,
1: I know. So that's cool. <laughs>
0: All right. So I made good on a promise to start getting um, some some folks on this podcast in the next, you know, how hopefully it won't take me as long. We'll get Devin back on, but we'll also um, get a good friend of ours over um, at Adapter Die, uh, Steven. Um, And then just a a buddy of mine who is a like minded individual. And um, back from the training days um, when I was learning to be a better family protector and stuff. Uh, I just call him OG Steve so he doesn't get confused with uh, Steven over at Adapt or Die. Um, he's going to come on and uh, we'll drink some sweet tea um, and maybe some coffee or something and kick around uh, family man topics and stuff like that. Uh, do me a favor though. If you, if you enjoyed Devin coming on, go over um, his handle uh, for Instagram is going to be down in the show notes. So if you're uh, you're on the gram, go over there and give him a follow and drop him a DM, tell him you appreciated him on the show and let me know too. Um, like the feedback and uh, also drop me, I don't care if you drop me a DM and in Instagram or you shoot me over an email, um, let me know about some topics, things that you'd like to, to pick Devin's brain on, um, other stuff that we can talk about. But yeah, man, I, I cannot tell you... Um, what uh, an awesome experience it is to, to have you on the show. Again, there's so much I'm gonna pick your brain about, but um, I know we've got, uh, we'll, we'll, have, uh, we'll have you on again and have a great time. So I would ask you this, any, any parting shots you'd like to leave the audience with, um, anything coming up, anything you got to say?
1: Well, I was going to say, so I'm actually about to be partnering with a local guy uh jace gibbs he's a prior military guy that we have in our area mm-hmm. and we are actually going to be setting up some he's going to be setting up and i'm going to help him out with the cqb portion and the marksmanship portion but it's going to be a you know home protection style course well he where he will go over all those kind of basics we were talking about emergency planning all this kind of stuff so i think i'll have to bring him on maybe one of these times and all three of us can talk because He's really into that stuff, you know, like you were talking about exactly how to implement a plan for these different scenarios. He's really into that. So that could be fun for all of us to link up too. Oh, my gosh, man.
0: (laughs) Maybe we should just uh, quit our jobs and uh, go do this full time. That sounds like it'd be fun. I could talk for a living.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's pretty pretty much uh, that is pretty much my job a lot of times because, you know, teaching people, mentoring, doing this kind of stuff. Oh, it's a lot of talking. So I always say, you know, I don't really have a job. People just pay me to run my mouth. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) (laughs) How cool. That's awesome. Well, man, I, again, I I thank you for coming on and looking forward to the future. And I know I'm going to get some training with tactical, uh, tactical cowboy training solutions, meeting up with Devin. I've recommended him uh, to other people. Um, So go check him out. And, you know, I know you're super responsive too. So if somebody's got a question for him, uh, something like that, reach out to him. His, uh, his email is listed on his website as well. And you can also DM him on Instagram too. So
1: cool, man. A quick, a quick caveat to that, you know, like you said, reach out, please anybody just reach out. Like, like I said, we're totally chill. You know, Hey, I've had so many people say, Hey, can you check out my draw? Can you check out my grip? you know, what do you think about this sort of backpack setup? What do you think about this belt setup? Anything, you know, we're not going to think, oh, this guy doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. He's a loser or something like that. We're just here to help and meet awesome people, you know?
0: Yeah, I I would have to say that's probably one of the rarest things is to get somebody um, that does what you do. And have the level of responsiveness um, to the general population um, that's trying to get some some genuine um, answers back to to better safeguard their their folks. So that is that is like awesome, really. That's cool. Good stuff. Okay, well, hey, um, this has been probably the coolest hour and a half I've had um, all week long. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and stop on a high note here. Um, thank you everybody for listening again. Um, this is about building community, doing that hard work, um, on all those things we've talked about and then going out and affecting other people, um, for, for self-reliance and freedom and all those cool things. So God bless you all. I hope you have an awesome, uh, weekend, uh, with you and yours, and we will talk to you soon. Take care.
1: Yes, sir. Sounds great. Have a good one. Yep.